Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that the Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. So very happy to be with you again today. And if you're joining us for the first time, allow me to introduce you to the journey we're on. The past several weeks, we have been contemplating the fact that Jesus asked many questions. In fact, he used questions as a tool for teaching profound lessons. One of these questions that he asked has been our point of focus for the past five weeks or so. The core question of Jesus, recorded by the Gospel writers Matthew and Mark, Matthew and Mark was, Who do you say that I am? The central question's message is the path to recognizing Jesus as a Son of God and the Savior of the world. Everything else evolves from that, where Jesus Christ is concerned. Once we understand the deity and personage of Jesus, then the next question, which we focused on last week, becomes very personal and divinely applicable. That question is recorded by Mark in his Gospel, Chapter 8, and it was a focus of our closing thoughts last week. Today, we're returning to that. Before we do, let's pray as we consider the life and death implications of this question. Father, we come in our sin and in our need and ask that as we consider the question, our hearts will be honest and open before you. We ask this through the agency of our great intercessor, your Son, Jesus Christ, our great Savior. Amen. By now, some of you will have identified the all-important question in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 36. What good, Jesus asked, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forget their own soul? Or what can a man or woman, what can anyone give? in exchange for their soul. Last week, we concluded our message by telling you the story of what my wife and I experienced at the end of 2022. We made a list of all the people that we knew or were family members who died during that period. And there was a dozen people. Now, something about our age may be related to why we know so many people and are going to so many funerals and so few weddings or birth celebrations, but that's a story all by itself. Let me look at the promises of Jesus Christ that comes for those who are gone or are on the verge of growing or just beginning the journey. Jesus said to Martha and Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even though 
they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asked another question. Do you believe this? And my question to you is, do you believe this? Part of what I had the responsibility of doing throughout my life and ministry was to visit people, still do, who are sick and sometimes near the end of life's little day. For some, that came far easier than for others. Some wanted to come, literally did. In fact, I have a friend now, a dear lady named Jerry, and she's 105. And she says, she's in clear mind, I am ready. But for others, those experiences came at the end of a sojourn, their earthly sojourn, with pain. The youngest was a premature son of a couple in Ocala, Florida, with whom I visited. The oldest was with a woman who was 114 years old in Buffalo, New York. While I consider it a sacred trust to rehearse the private moments of people with whom I visited without their family's permission, I visited as they were on their way out of this earthly life. I feel like it's okay to share with you from the near end of the words of my own father. I'd gone from Buffalo to Brooklyn to visit with a man whom international cricket knew as Bam Bam Weeks, known of that because known by that name because of his ferocious batting style and aggressive treatment of boulders on the cricket field. Bam Bam had resisted the gospel year after year for a long time, but there on his bed he had embarked on reading through the book of Romans, as I had suggested he do. And on that visit, as I entered his room, he exclaimed with the excitement of a child who had just found the Easter egg, Busha, he said, it's all here, it's all here, and it's so plain, pointing to his well-marked New Testament at the book of Romans. He was referring to God's plan of salvation. And I urge you, my friend, I beseech you, pick up the Bible and read the book of Romans. There you'll find man's condition and God's provision clearly written out and God's salvation by faith. Busha is all here and it's so plain. He had by that time embraced the forgiving, justifying message of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. From that day on, and for the remainder of his earthly life, my father lived with eternity's values before him. He recovered from that bout of illness and was baptized alongside a ten-year-old boy, although he was eighty-three, and rejoiced in being newfound in Christ. Three years later, he had a different message for me when I arrived to visit from Buffalo. On that same day, there was a kind elder from the Good Tidings Gospel Chapel who had come to visit and to pray for my dad. Bam Bam called me into his room and quietly said, Busha, tell them not to pray for me to be healed. I am ready to go home to my Heavenly Father. Doesn't that sound wonderful 
from a man who had resisted the gospel. And now at age 86, he was on the verge of going. A few days later, he entered the presence of his Lord. My friend, there is a difference when you're growing out knowing Jesus and when you're going out not knowing him. The peace of God that surpasses human understanding was evident in his words and in his facial expression. Ken had come to appreciate the message of Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. There John wrote, Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they rest for them from their labors, for their deeds will follow them. Perhaps you have known or heard of and a, a striking difference between people who are going out with the assurance of life in Christ and those who didn't have that blessed assurance. The records of some of our famous people leave us pained at the seeming gloom. While none of us can be certain of another's personal surrender to the Lord Jesus and at what time that surrender happened, the words they spoke leave us pictures of how things appear to be or to have been as they approach the end of life. I think of the sad and painful words of the famous Lord Byron, the gifted poet of Britain. Near his death, at an early age, he was only 36, he had this assessment of his life. My days are in the yellow leaf. The flowers and fruits of life are gone. The worm, the canker, and the grief are mine alone. Oh, my friend, how sad to contemplate death with that kind of an assessment. To the contrary, is a testimony of a dying saint. In Acts chapter 7, we read about Stephen. He was being stoned to death for his faithful life and testimony for Jesus. He knew somewhat of the assurance that Jesus gave to Mary and Martha. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus told his sisters that he was a resurrection and a life and that anyone who died believing in him would rise again. Listen to Stephen's dying words. I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. I heard someone say that Stephen had a standing ovation from the Son of God. My friend, there is pain in death, but there is comfort and assurance in Jesus Christ. My friend, Jesus said it. He is the one who said he would lay down his life and he would take it again, he would rise. He did all of that. And he is the one who says to you, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. You see, while a sincere Faith, commitment to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord is enough to give you the blessed assurance that Jesus wants you to have. There's more. There's so much more to the life of discipleship. Jesus doesn't offer what one writer calls cheap grace. His salvation is free, but discipleship, he makes clear, is costly. So you see, it isn't a case of bait and switch. No, it isn't. It is a straightforward part of the spiritual transaction that Jesus invites you into. In the passage that we are contemplating, Jesus made it clear that the pathway 
of following him is called discipleship, and that we would follow him in the way of the cross. That is why the Apostle Paul longed for, he says, I long to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. So you see, you're invited into a lifelong relationship with a Christ who lived and died for you. And he says, enter in by faith into this death of Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't set about to make us Christians. The Bible sets about to make us discipleship. And when discipleship takes shape, it becomes Christ-like. Our lives are imitations of the living Christ of God. And people seeing us call us Christians. Oh, that's how it was in the first century of the church. I know the word Christian has been proselytized and downgraded and diluted, but it is still God's standard. James says, show me your faith and show me your works. Let it work together. I'm inviting you into a beginning of a relationship that will last for time and eternity. Jesus said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet to forget their soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Today, you will say nothing, so I'll trust Jesus. I'll not sell my soul for life's passing dreams. God grant that you will do that for Jesus' sake. Amen. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478.